Hello and welcome to Rebecca Neal, the podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca, a holistic health and life coach, business mentor, creative entrepreneur, and your online bestie. I'm here to remind you that it is more than okay to show up as your authentic self, to have high expectations for your life, to become financially independent and get paid to do what it is that you love. Each week, I'm going to share episodes with you to inspire, educate, and empower you to reconnect to your soul's purpose, to awaken that power within and create a life and business that you desire. My mission and purpose is to help you find confidence to take your life from ordinary to extraordinary, to give you the tools and steps to living more in alignment with your true self. So if you're ready for honest and practical, soulful lessons, and you're committed to investing in yourself, then you are in the right place. And the reality is no one's coming to save you. And it's really only up to you to start to create and design a life that you love, a life that's exciting and invigorating. It's time to take charge of your life right now. Are you ready to grow, babe? Welcome back to Rebecca Neal, the podcast. Today's guest is someone I have known for quite some time now, and he's actually been a guest on my blog many, many moons ago when blogs were in fashion. (laughs) We have with us Mark Roper, who works as a training and nutrition consultant in London, UK. Mark has been in the industry for 14 years, and through this time, he primarily trains the corporate executive client, but always with a love and passion for athletic development. Alongside his one-to-one fitness business, he runs corporate wellness talks and health and fitness retreats over in Portugal. Education has always been hugely important to Mark, and he has learned from everybody in the industry, trying to utilize and implement all the information to give the best service that he can to his clients. The invaluable education that Mark has had has inspired him to start and run in his own educational seminars, hosting and teaching them all around the world to other fitness professionals. I'm so thrilled to have you here with us today, Mark. A deep passion of mine is fitness and I can't wait to dive in with you. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and it's so cool with the time difference. It's 6.30 at night here. What time is it there in the morning? It's 9.15 in the morning. So I've just just trained a couple couple of clients and you're winding down for the day. So yeah. We're going international. Yes, I love it so much. So my question is that I ask all my guests on the show is, how do you have your coffee? Do you drink coffee? I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure this is going to be an interesting one. Okay, so I love coffee. I love, and obviously Australia and New Zealand has amazing coffee, certainly better than, than, than London. All the best coffee shops in London are always Aussie owned. Um, So I like it different ways, but today I'm drinking, um, a mushroom-based coffee. So you heard of it first time yes. stuff before. Yes. So it's like a mushroom-infused coffee. So it's got. So it sounds to a lot of people it sounds Mind disgusting, but this one <laughs> exactly. So this one is by a company called Four Sigmatic, and it has something called chaga and lion's mane in it. The theory behind it is that if you are a person that doesn't do well with coffee in terms of you maybe get jitters from it or whatever like that, which I, I don't do that well with coffee. I just love the taste of it. It's very good for supporting your adrenal glands. So yeah, so I'm having it black, black with the four sigmatic mushroom blend in it. That's awesome. So 
is it actually coffee with the mushroom blend? Is that correct? Or yeah, so so, so it's like organic uh, coffee with the mushroom blend in it. But if I'm out and about, I would go for a, a oat flat white because oat milk is big over here, but yes. it's not really that big in ours. It is. It's not that it big is. in ours yet. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Because I think I think it's been like behind the times, or just a a long black. Yeah, nice. I might have to get you to send me some of that um, that mushroom mix over to me so I can try it. It's by far the nicest one of them all. I've tried a few different ones and I feel way better on it, much better like cognitive function, better focus and everything like that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm onto the ice blacks, even though it's the middle of winter here and I just have a dash of oat milk in it. <laughs> nice. The thing is though, your middle of winter is still our summer. This is very true. This is very true. Very true. So I'd very love true. to ask you about what you do and why you do what you do and what's kept you in the industry for so long because you and I both know that the fitness industry is very transient, let's say. Um, and yeah. so who, what, what is it that, I, before I ask you what your greatest teachers and influences and mentors were, you know, to keep you in this space, why do you do what you do? You know, what is it about the fitness yeah. industry? Okay, well, I think first and foremost, if, if, I, if people were to hazard a guess of what I would have been at school, people would have said that I probably would have been some like a teacher. Um, I think I've always liked to try and give people advice and help people. Um, and I, I think I debated going into the teaching world as a kid, maybe being a PE teacher. And I've always loved sports and everything like that. So I think I put two and two together and I thought the PE, sorry, the, the PT world, the fitness world is something for me, plus the teaching element is that kind of combined. Um, again, repeating myself, but I do, I love to help people, but also with the sort of scientific approach. So I love learning, trying to get as much information as I can to, deliver a good service but i think first and foremost it's that you know the world in general is pretty unhealthy and it's certainly becoming more and more unhealthy so as, as cheesy as it sounds i just I would like to make a difference doing something that i'm actually good at yes i love that so much and you're right oh my god people need help so much when it comes to health and nutrition and fitness and it seems to be even though we have so much information at our fingertips now, people still yeah. just don't get it. They don't understand. No, no, I agree. But I think I think that's the problem. There is almost too much uh, information. Like I, I, I say that so many people are schooled by the University of Google these days. You know, like they have an opinion on everything. And, you know, we were chatting off air beforehand that, you know, people have arguments about stuff. But everything at the moment, my problem in the industry seems to be a real blanket statement. Like you, you just have to do this or you have to be in a calorie deficit or it has to be this, it has to be that. And for me, it's, you know, no one person is the same. You need to assess people. You need to understand people. Um, you need to look at the whole picture of what is going on with them, digestion, with sleep, with, uh, you know, their background, their emotional stability, all those things, which sounds like a lot, but I think that is the, the skill and art of, of being in, in this industry is understanding people as, as much as possible. Yeah, and I love that. And you can hear that is that's the difference, I think. You know, these people that do PT courses for six months or six weeks or whatever the craziness is now, they go out and they yeah. try and become the PT that they've been taught in the book, you know. And I know personally, yeah. even back when I was a PT or a fitness coach, I always invested in my growth. I always had coaches and mentors. I wanted to be the yeah. best at what I did. But I love what you shared there around I guess everybody's got that uniqueness, right? And not one size yeah. fits all. And so that's why I guess you have the success you have and that you're able to help a broad range of people because you understand that. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, being able to read people and, uh, you know, maybe train people in one way and train somebody in another or speak to somebody in one way, you know, you speak to certain people very different in one way that you might do to another person to, to get the same results. So, yeah, I think it, it's, it's super important to be yeah, able to do that. I, love that. I love that. That's really special. And so who are and ha- who has been some of your greatest teachers and influences and mentors in the space? I have to say, so I, so I got qualified in 2005, um, that's a long time ago, <laughs> and, well, and so, um, but one of the first sort of uh, courses that I did with, was with the late Charles Poliquin, oh, yes. and, I, and I actually did it in Sydney, so I did what was called his PICP Level 1, Level 2 and Biosignature in Sydney, and um, at the time it was just phenomenal for me. What, what I loved about Charles then was he just, everything was very driven towards a goal, and it was quite athletic in terms of his type of training, it was, you know, strength conditioning or sport specific. But for me, that resonated with me because I had a a sporting background. And, you know, Charles, just like we all have, had his failures and things that maybe he did wrong. But for those couple of years, he he made me go out and learn and seek information that was out there. Because at the time, there was only really him, another Australian strength coach called Ian King and um, Paul Check that was really get, putting out information. There was, there was not much else at all, you know. There was So there was the sort of three guys. So Charles was, without a doubt, my first um, point of contact with becoming better as a coach. But the, the guy that's been my mentor pretty much since then um, is a gentleman called Owen Lacey, who is based over in Dublin. And he was actually one of Charles's first European educators. So he worked for Charles. And he has basically took everything from every single coach in the world but delivered it in his own unique educational format. I've known for a long time, he's a good friend of mine, but he's the, my one point of kind of inspiration, I guess, that I go to, we, you know, we vibe off each other, we have a laugh, we chew the fat, but he's always constantly inspiring me. I love that. And Charles Poliquin was a big inspiration to me too. I did a lot of his stuff, the biosignature as well as one of the things that I did and just the understanding I got about the body and how to train people for body composition and things like that was incredible. And he was an amazing mentor. And back then, (laughs) you know, I don't think people understand now, like, oh, I don't know. I just don't think people have that value around investing now in their growth space. Yeah, no. I, I to- totally agree with that. If, if I look at all the people that sort of did his courses around that time, there's still coaches that I really respect now. Yeah. You know, so many of them, so many of them out there, people like Andre Benoit. Yes. Um, you know, you know there's, 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 I could list loads of them. Um, and they're all guys that, again, because they, they had the same growth mindset. And I think, you know, that'll be a, a continued theme that I'm sure we'll talk about today. But people not being in that fixed ne- negative mindset, constantly want to grow, learn, develop. And he also made people like have the sort of the balls, so to speak, to go and set up their own facilities and to, to want to do their own thing. For sure. And I remember Andre actually and, and Ryan, what's his surname? He was another one. Well, I, I, I call him Fenella Lele because yes. no, 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 no one knows how to pronounce it. Fenella Lele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who I'm talking about. So I'm still in contact yeah. with him um, many, many times. Yeah, well, you actually, you, you actually commented on a photo of, of me and him about three or four years ago on Facebook because we met each other in, a, in, in America doing a course and like, I'm five foot nine and I'm in okay shape, but he's like six foot five and jacked. And I just look like a little boy. <laughs> he is giant. He is a giant man though, right? <laughs> he is. He's a big boy, but yeah, great, great guy. And again, yeah. another example of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think it says a lot actually to the people back when we were first in the space or even when you were first in the space before me, like we seem to all still be around of doing coaching. You know, we're standing the test of time because we've been trained well. Exactly. And, and that says it all, because like you said before, people who come in the industry with this short qualification, I mean, I think the dropout rate of trainers coming into, into the industry is about 80%. Yeah. And that's, I guess, because people see it as a quick book, but it's hard. It's a hard industry to do well in. It's brutal in terms of, you know, early starts, you know, you know about it, late finishes. Um, and, you know, you've got to market yourself now. You've got the pressure of social media. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a hard old industry, same as anything, I guess, but to do well. I think it comes back to the passion piece and in any space, the passion is what drives the motivation. And I think too many people get into it looking for a quick fix opportunity to build a business or to make some money and then they get out, you know, they don't have that deep desire to help others or build that business sense. And that's where I think you stand the test of time there, which is really cool. So I guess um, we've all been stuck in isolation for a little while. (laughs) You especially in the UK. (laughs) Um, Definitely. I know for me, working out at home has been quite challenging and sometimes finding the motivation is really hard um, to, I like to leave the house and, and, you know, I work from home, so it's challenging to not get to the gym. And so how have you found this to be? Because obviously gyms were closed for you as well. And and what are your tips for people that have to do home workouts and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I I agree. It's been tough. I think anybody that is is used to going to a gym, you know, like they, they, they get in that mindset, they go drive to the gym, then I put the kit on, right, I'm training in the gym now, and then I leave. I think if you're then forced to train in the house, first and foremost, you don't have as much equipment unless you're very lucky and have a fantastic home gym, which is difficult in itself. So you're limited in terms of equipment. But secondly, you know, I'm the same. I struggle to get in the headspace to do a hard session in the gym. So I, I, I'm lucky that I borrowed some weights uh, from, from my friend's gym. So I've been training and I moved the weights outside. But my biggest piece of advice is to do, learn something that you're not used to doing. So, you know, everyone's done burpees and stuff like that before. And, you know, you know let's say your home workouts, they're fine and you'll get a sweat on. But my biggest advice to people is to get out and either learn to run or learn to sprint train or do something that is completely different. I've liked a lot of my clients to do something called animal flow, which is like an animalistic kind of like bodyweight movement pattern thing, which there's loads of great tutorial videos of it on um, on YouTube and it's challenging. So it's just to try and find something that is stimulating for you, but is you're going to learn something. And I think that alone should give you that little bit more inspiration rather than just generically running through squat jumps, burpees, mm. more burpees, you know, oh, down ups, abs, <laughs> you know, ex- exactly. Because A, they're great, but you're only really training your, your anterior tra- chain there, you're training, training your quads. So I think getting outside and different space to do something is, is going to be the way to do it. Yeah, I think that's great because you've not only got the challenge of the physical aspect, but the mental challenge of trying something new, right? So then you're yeah. in a different space. And it's like when, I guess, you set goals that are more health-related or more challenge-related rather than weight loss and things like that. It gives you that different drive. Exactly. That's a great way of looking at it. It is. It's something, it's a different drive, but a different stimulus as well, rather than just generically going through something. Because I'm the same. If I've got to do my usual weights program in, in the house, I'm not going at the same intensity, you know? Yeah. And I think it's probably easier for a female to work out at home than a male if you don't have a gym, I think, to some degree, potentially. Without the, even yeah. I've outgrown the weights that I've had here. I've only had light weights. And I'm like, these are so light to me now because I've not been able yeah. to 
you know, level up from there. That's great. I love that tip. And so it's really about, you know, learning something new to stimulate those new neuro pathways, I guess, as well. So I'm yes, dying definitely. to know, how do you look so good all year round? Because I am so jealous. <laughs> You're very kind where you don't let you bite yourself. <laughs> I, I mean, so, I, you know, I always try and prioritize, prioritize health. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like to go out and have a good few alcoholic beverages and I like to eat what I want when I want to eat what I want. But, you know, for, the, for, for all year rounds, I train and I love to train. And I think this is obviously part of the problem. Sometimes people maybe, they, they, they just don't enjoy the actual training environment. But I try and train in a way that is works for myself. So I've obviously done pretty much every training protocol over the years through learning education courses, trying things out. And I know what works very well for me. And that is to do weight training three or four times a week and to do some form of high intensity interval training probably twice a week. You know, you and I have talked about this before. Um, it, it just works well for me. And I try and implement that no matter what. There'll be times for sure that I'll, I'll do want to do it less than others. But trying to just constantly be in that active zone or trying to stay active keeps you in the right headspace. Like I always say this, no one ever regrets working out. You know, no one ever finishes a workout and goes, unless you oh, get injured, I guess. But, <laughs> but, but, exactly. Go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But pretty much everybody, if you don't train, they go, mm, they feel guilty. You know, I wish I'd done that. So it doesn't have to be something crazy intensive, but it is just doing something. And then that, you know, the snowball effect of how good you feel makes you do more. You eat better because of it. You tend to sleep better because of it. You know, so I'm just fairly consistent around with what I do. Yeah, I think consistency is definitely a key there because for me, I noticed the other day, I just get so wrapped up in my work and I've got so much to do. And you know, I've talked to you about this before so many times. And I was like, when I'm in on a roll, I fucking love training. Like I am obsessed with it. But if I step back or I get caught up or I go away to find that routine again, it's almost a bit of an effort. But I know, and I did it yesterday, I got into my workout and I was like, why do I ever not do this? Like, you know, there's this, you know, so I say to people, just do five or 10 minutes. And then if you still want to quit after that, then leave the gym, you know, but that five or 10 minutes usually makes you stay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you and I, Beck, have talked about your training, you know, quite a few times and, you know, maybe so your, your listeners understand more. Like, yeah, you, you've had the exact same issues as, as everyone else in terms of going, man, I'm struggling to do this. And because your business maybe slightly different to mine is, you know, you're, you're, you're based more from home. You're doing things more like this, podcasts, and you have much more of a bigger online presence than I am. It's difficult to then get out of that headspace to then do it, you know. Well, for me, you know, I am in it. Well, not at the moment, but normally I'm in a gym, a gym environment most of the day. And if I don't train, I mean, I have no excuse. Wow. You know, like I'm there. Like people could say the opposite. Well, you want to get out of it. But I'm like, I have no, you know, there's no excuse for me not to do it. So I think that is a very good tip. You know, five, 10 minutes, get yourself warmed up, yeah. get yourself in the flow of it and you'll do it. Yeah, definitely. And I know something I struggle with and some of my listeners that do have online businesses probably can relate is steps. Like if I don't go out to get a coffee in the morning and I'm fully booked and we have talked about this before, (laughs) but I was absolutely, yeah, absolutely crazy not getting in 10,000. But even if I do a massive walk or two walks a day, I still don't get in 10,000 steps. And it's, it's because I work from home and unless I need to leave my house, Yes, I can walk around my house and I probably don't track my steps because I'm not carrying my phone all day, but it is challenging to get those steps in. Like it's just, you know, with a back-to-back calendar with clients and podcasts like you shared and content creation, 
it is yeah. really, really challenging. So for me, it's really important, especially right now, is to make sure I walk daily, make sure I do a home workout, and then I can't beat myself up around that if I don't get 10,000 steps in. Yeah, like I agree with that because I've had the same problem. When, when I'm normally at the gym, so we went into lockdown on 21st of March. So when I was in, working in the gym before then, I, I normally do about 20,000 steps a day oh. while my business has gone completely on the Zoom. Like everybody's getting trained on Zoom, even pretty much now still. And so, my, yeah, my daily step count is, is way, way lower, but I've just enforced myself to have breaks throughout the day. So I'll have an hour off every couple of hours and I'm going outside for a yeah. walk. So I'm probably hitting fifteen to 20,000, but, you know, that can make a massive difference. People not going to work, not having a daily commute, not, you know, having uh, natural organic breaks in the day of going for a meeting, having a coffee with a client. Mm-hmm. People are just sitting at home on the desk, not moving because they feel like they don't need to. And, for, for, for most people, that is going to have a, a huge impact on their, their body composition, maybe the weight, but also the, the sort of the, the mental state. Yeah, and the posture. I noticed since not being, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I was in the Definitely. gym as a coach, I was so much leaner. I was so much fitter. I was my posture was better because I was always moving. I was always flexible. I was, you know, training so yeah. much, and so it's something I yeah. have consciously really think about now and look after my health a lot more in a sense I think since working from home for sure definitely yeah I feel like you know sitting down you know even doing something like this mm. sitting down for an hour I'll get up I'll feel my hip flexors much more than I used to you know in some ways being on your feet all day can be like poor for your posture as well but I think having the opportunity to be on your feet and sit down when you when you want to can make a big difference rather than just sitting in it and that's the problem as well I think most people's offices these days are more ergonomically designed they have the right chair while yeah. when they're at home they, they don't have that they you know they're using random you know a laptop rather than the computer i think yeah, totally. things like that can make a big, big big difference for sure i'd love to ask you about mindset and how i guess you personally or your clients remain in their peak performance and so what are some tips i guess or some things that people could use to work through to get their own head in the game to achieve the body they desire or the results they want yeah. when it comes to fitness? Yeah. I think in regards to my clients, I mean, I, again, I, I train, but 95% of my clients are lawyers and they're, they're you know, the, the high-end um, equity partners of firms. So, you know, they're, they're very driven people. They're obviously, they're intelligent people. They have to be switched on intelligent to get where they are. And lawyers, you know, they work crazy hours, particularly in London. Um, so I think I'm lucky in terms of, because I've always trained that client, obviously you attract a, a like-minded clientele and my business has been completely built by referrals. So they all buy sessions for each other to train with me, oh, so if, if it, if it's a, which is quite unique in, in the sort of PT world. But so if, they, if they tra- somebody trains with me and they have a colleague that they want to train with me, they'll say, well, I've just bought you 10 sessions with Mark. So I think for my clients, I, I never really have the issue for, for building their mindset because I think they're naturally that way inclined. But for people that maybe struggle with it, I think the first thing is you need to be accountable to something or somebody. So that could be, there's lots of ways that you can do that. Having a coach in some way, and it doesn't have to be a coach where you're training three or four times a week, but it could be an online coach. It could be somebody like yourself, Beck. It could could be something where you're just having to check in. But also with that, it's then because a coach ideally should be an expert in their industry. They should be able to help you with what your goals are. You know, people often get you know so caught up that they think they, they need to lose this amount of weight or they have to do this. Well, I think having somebody that is uh, more of an expert in that topic can actually maybe sway, not sway, use the wrong word, but direct you towards saying, maybe you need to do this instead. Maybe you do need to do this instead. So I think just having that basic person to, to give you some guidance and, you know, it's very easy to do. There's so many people online that you can chat to to see if you get a vibe, kind of like what you and I did years ago, but um 
but and also as well, maybe getting a training partner. I think getting a training partner is huge. And you and I have had this discussion before. If you have a training partner and you train at 9 a.m., three days a week, you're then accountable to that person. You're going to be way less likely to, to, to cancel a session. So I've always had a training buddy and or some kind of coach. A small investment will make a massive difference in, in terms of your long-term goals and hitting that mindset. Yeah, I love that. And I, I always joke to my coaching clients because my, most of my clients are coaches and I always just joke we're accountability coaches. That's all we really are. Even though we're, you know, an expert in our space or industry and we have all this knowledge, really at the end of the day, ultimately people pay you for accountability to stay on track to their goals or whatever they're trying to achieve. And you're less likely, like you said, to let someone else down than yourself. Unfortunately, that's the way people think. So I think it's cool having that training buddy or someone you can do stuff with, which is cool for sure. Even I though think I, like so. I mean, myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, that may not, that's not rocket science, you know, but they're just, for me, they're the two simple things that will make a massive difference, you know. But another little tip in terms of just real basic is just to get up and do some form of exercise as soon as you get up in the morning. That could be a, a, a short walk. It could be doing five minutes of yoga stretches. It could be some, it's not exercise, but something like diaphragmatic breathing, something that is positive, that's putting you in the right, <clears throat> excuse me, in the right frame of mind for the rest of the day compared to say waking up and within five seconds checking your phone. That is the worst thing you're going to do. And everybody does it. Everybody does it. But, you know, if you've got a bad email or, you know, a, a message from somebody I don't really want to read, that's going to affect you for the rest of the day. 100%. And I talk about this a lot because my phone's on, it's on plane mode now, but it's on plane mode all night and I do not turn it on until I'm ready. And I'm very conscious of yeah. that boundary. And I yeah. think what happens is you become reactive all day instead of being responsive. And so I have no yeah. notifications on my phone or anything like that. And I really own my that's own. Good. So I think that's really cool that you mentioned that for sure. Um, I'd love to dive into some practical things, like a bit of speed, sure. speed little dating session here. Of course, <laughs> let's go. Let's go for it. <laughs> so <laughs> what is the greatest bang for a buck when it comes to training? What's the best movement or exercise? In my opinion, if you're capable of doing it, sprint training is. So now again, sprint, when I say sprint training, I mean running. Now, if you're capable in that let's say you have some base baseline level of running i think sprint training for me does because there's no equipment and particularly because of covid at the moment you know that's the one thing that i think will get the best results you'll get leaner you'll build some muscle mass plus you feel great doing it yes. and anybody well you can do it anywhere yes so for someone that can't do sprints or has some sort of you know weight maybe carry <laughs> extra weight yeah, so, so, so either some form, if they have a machine, some uh, interval-based training on a, a bit of kit, something like a bike or a, a rowing machine or a skier can be very, very effective. Or just learning how to weight train full body effectively, doing big compound lifts, your deadlifts, your presses, your squats, your rows. And again, you know, that, that, that may sound a bit generic, but learning how to weight train effectively and some kind of interval training for me is the, is the two that will get you the quickest results and fix imbalances, injuries, posture. All <laughs> and all the things. <laughs> everything, everything fixes everything. Makes, makes you a better person. <laughs> so what's your number one tip for fat loss? Uh, pretty simple and boring. You have to be as active as you can all day long. Yeah, right. So what I mean by that is, you know, like, because I'm not just going to say it's this, I'm not just going to say it's that, but 
if you take the stairs every time that you could get a lift, if you walk every time you could drive, if you, you know, j- just carry something when you could, if you get up, so let's say like we're doing now, like, you know, if you're online working, every 30 minutes, get up and do some burpees, I mentioned them before, some jumping jacks, something, some squats. You know, if you're on a flight to, you know, I travel to Australia a lot. If I'm on a flight to Australia, I'm going to get it and be as active as I can. Just things like that, you know, we're meant, we've evolved that way, you know, throughout evolution. We would walk all day long. We would pick up things. We would drag things. We would do low-level activity. Then something like demanding or explosive, like picking something up or maybe fighting or uh, hunting or something like that. And so being as active as you can all day, as much as possible in your life, will will keep you lean year-round. Yeah, in my opinion, that. you know. And, and that's such a good analogy too because, yeah, the caveman era or whatever you want to call it, we were moving, dragging, lifting, doing all those things regularly and then there were those short bursts of like hit training, right, of like yeah, riding yeah. or running or whatever it might be. Exactly. Like and people also will argue the point with me, well, we're not cavemen anymore, but I'm like, yes, but physi- physiologically we are. You know, we haven't changed since then. And for me, there's no reason why people can't do low-level activity throughout the day. So if you're on a Zoom call and maybe you're not on the video, you can walk around when you do it. You know, even if you've got a small apartment, you can be on your feet. That is going to burn a lot more calories in a day than it is just sitting down. So basically, I guess the key point is don't sit on your ass all day long. When you have the opportunity, do something. Get outside as well. Get sunlight on your skin. Everything like that makes a huge difference. If you do that every single day, 365 days a year, you make a big difference. Yeah. You know? It's the consistency piece, right? One step after another. Exactly. Rather than just going, I have two hours a week where I'm going to absolutely annihilate myself <laughs> in the gym. I'm going to, re- I'm going to rely on that for my, my health and fitness. Yes. Smash yourself in the gym, train hard, but you want consistent movement patterns that make you feel better, healthier year round. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's funny cause I've actually just changed my zoom calls to phone calls now. And so I am going to be moving around a bit more when I do it. I do need to take notes with my clients, but it is really about being able to be flexible and move around because I'm, and, and it's not look at the screen so much anymore as well. Yeah, yeah. Part of it. yeah, for sure. I mean, for you, that you're, like, you're a prime example of that. You know, you've, you've already said to me a few times before and on, on this podcast that you struggle to get the steps in. Mm. So even that for you can make a big difference. And, you know, for yourself, you maybe say, look, I've got 10 minutes, 15 minutes between each call, client call, whatever it is, rather than jam packing them. And you say, you know, I've seen your post, you live in a nice area, you get out and you go for a five, 10 minute walk. It's not, it's not a huge amount, but you know, again, if you do that three or four times a day, like every day makes a massive change. Yeah, that's right. I know. Cause it's so easy to just go, Oh, but it's only five or 10 minutes. What's that going to do? But if you add that yeah. up over a course of a day and a week, it's actually quite a yeah. lot of incidental exercise. So that's great. I love that. Uh, nutrition. So obviously I'm obsessed with nutrition and health and wellness. My no, high- really? <laughs> Nobody knows that. (laughs) My highest value is health and wellness. And so I'd love to dive into that a little bit. Do you believe in fasting, keto? What's your thoughts on vegan diets? What about alcohol? Where does that have a place in nutrition as well? Okay, so I'll, I'll start with fasting because that was the first thing you said. I love fasting, okay? I think it's super, super effective. There's different ways of looking at fasted. So obviously over the past sort of 18 months to two years, intermittent fasting has become very, very popular, yeah? Now, I, I don't really like to term it intermittent fasting because what, 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 I, what I classify that as and what most people do is they end up just cutting calories. 
So if you do intermittent fasting, you, you're generally, you, all you're basically doing is taking out your breakfast or your dinner. It's, you're always having lunch. You're basically taking out one meal. So you usually condense them to within eight hour window. Yeah. So you have 16 hours of fasting, eight hour window of eating food. That is great. But for most of my clients, they don't need to cut calories. So a lot of my clients, they just, they're lacking muscle mass. They actually, they're relatively low calorie already. They just have low nutrient status. So I prefer to call it a, a condensed window eating. And what it does for those guys is they're still eating the same or perhaps more calories, but they're shortening the window cycle. Because what I find in, in London particularly, and everywhere, is people eat consistently throughout the day. So they'll get up, they'll have a, a milky coffee with whatever, a bagel or something like that. And then they'll have another milky coffee. And then they'll have another milky coffee. Then they'll have lunch. And then they'll snack. And then they'll have nuts. And then they'll have snack. And then they have a huge evening meal, which is their biggest calorific meal of the day. In London, again, this is probably more so in Sydney, even at maybe eight or nine o'clock at night. And then they're going to bed an hour and a half later. You know, so they've had like no period of time where they're not eating through the day. Yeah. So for, for those guys, I like to condense it because then it, it improves their blood sugar management. It improves their growth hormone production. It improves their ability to sleep because if they eat their meal, say three or four hours before bed, they have enough time for the body to assimilate all the nutrients that they need to detoxify, to regenerate. Mm -hmm. So fasting, I think is phenomenal, but you need to understand what works well for you. I can train super hard fasted, no problem whatsoever. Well, I've got female friends of mine that would like literally pass out within two minutes. They're like, oh, I can't do it. And I've got male, <laughs> friends, male friends who would be like that as well. So you have to know, I think, what works well for you. Um, ketogenic, I think, again, can be very, very effective. I can do it no problem because I gravitate towards a high fat diet. So you know, true ketogenic diet is you know 70% or 75% fat, but 20% protein zero well five percent carbs it is very high fat it is difficult to do in terms of you know if you go out and about it's, it's quite difficult to stick to it i can do it no problem and i get quite lean on it but you know i like people to have variety and options in their life and i think the problem with keto is it's it is very restrictive and if you're going to a friend's party or you know a wedding whatever like that you're not you can't do it and i, I don't like anything that is too restrictive you know um and then vegan diets i mean if you're obviously choosing to be a vegan for ethical reasons, I understand it, but I think that there's a, there is health issues with being a vegan. I think first and foremost, a lot of people struggle to take on sufficient protein and that. I think a lot of people tend to have a lot of digestive issues because the majority of protein that they're getting is from things like pulses and legumes, which a lot of people can have issues digestion. But also they, they, they might have slight issues in terms of deficiencies of things like B vitamins and carnitine, things that play a huge role in your general health, your, your cognitive function. So again, for me, I find it too restrictive because you are restricting a whole macronutrient, well, not a whole macronutrient, but a, a wide range. So I think utilizing different parts of different types of diets can be very effective but you have to try things and see what works for you and you know I, i'm a coach that i would like to say walks the walk and i've tried everything that i give my clients and i know now i'm 37 i know what works for me but you know you need to know what works for your client rather than just giving them something because you like it mm -hmm. yeah definitely and i also can agree I've, i mean i've dabbled with a lot of stuff and always do before i teach others the same thing and 
I get quite lean on keto, but like you said, I found it really challenging to sustain because I like to go out for breakfast. I like to go out to dinners with friends and do things. And so I felt like I was always depriving myself and I didn't want to go back down that path. Um, I think it comes down to really the, like you said, the individual person and their needs and what they are doing it for. And again, with the vegan diet, I love a very high plant-based diet. However, you miss your omegas, you're missing your carnitines and things like you said. So I, yeah. I definitely agree with you on all of that. So what about alcohol? Where does that have its place? I mean, you're a London boy. <laughs> does that right. well, pay well, a lot? <laughs> well, so, so, so I live in London, but I'm from Newcastle, and Newcastle is known for its partying. So I mean, I'll be brutally honest. I, I love going out and drinking. I'm, a, I'm an all or nothing person. I have no off switch. When I go out, I am out. I'm not really interested in drinking during the week, like having a glass of wine with my evening meal. When I go out and... I go out, but that's just always been the way it is. My friends are like that, and that's it's just my mentality. It is not healthy, and it's certainly not going to add to my health bank account. However, you have to do what, what you enjoy. But, you know, to simplify it, alcohol is not going to help anybody get gains. You know, it's not going to particularly make you sleep better. I think if you are going to do something, an organic glass of wine with, with each meal, it, I've got no problem with that. But at the same time, if fat loss is your optimal goal, increasing or having alcohol regularly in your diet, A, you've got a calorie content, but also, you know, a lot of people don't really know if their body naturally detoxifies well. So when you have alcohol, your body straight away is processing that alcohol. It's not maybe metabolizing fat. It's not doing a lot of things. So for me, the the issue that I have with, with alcohol is it affects most people's sleep too much and that therefore they don't sleep well. They might feel like they've slept well, that, you know, they feel a bit comatose from it but they tend to not regenerate well when, when having it so uh, i think if you're going to have something in you know, an organic red wine or a clear spirit like a gin or a vodka or something like that with you know minimal um mixer in it would be the one of choice but know that obviously if you like going out regularly it is going to hinder your fat loss muscle gain whatever it is results everything right yeah it's it is definitely and I, I definitely have started drinking a little more since COVID, <laughs> um, but I, I'm not a big drinker. I, although I agree with you, I used to party so much and have wild old times. But at the end of the day, as I share, like my values around health are way more important than alcohol. And I, I find no, it, you know, it affects so many different things like you shared. So let's talk a little bit more about sleep and how important you think that is for both the body and the mind. Yeah. So sleep, sleep is huge. So I've been using a thing called the Whoop Band recently, and it's basically a very in-depth um, tracker for your recovery. So it tracks your, your sleep uh, stages, tracks your HRV, heart rate variability, your, your rest and heart rate, a lot of things, and it basically puts it to a percentage of where you're at in terms of recovery. So it gives you an indication of how primed you are to do hard training sessions. And it's I've used different ones before, and this is, for me, is probably the most accurate. Um, sleep, sleep goes in stages. So we have like 90-minute stages of sleep. So let's say for a simple example, somebody wakes up in the middle of the night to go for a wee, which so many of my clients do, that instantly breaks the cycle of your sleeps. So you, you, you then almost need to start again. So understanding how to teach people sleep can make a massive difference. So I maybe should have said that earlier when we're talking about number one thing for fat loss. If you want to stay linear around, improve your sleep as well. Because it, it, again, it's, it's the snowball effect of it all. If you sleep well and deeply and restful sleep, you wake up feeling rested 
mm. obvious, but you, you do. And you then feel ready. <laughs> you know, you, but I don't know anybody that does. You know, everybody wakes up and, oh, I'm knackered. I need a coffee. I need this. I need that. So, I mean, we, we could do a whole other podcast about this, Beg, but I, it, the, the importance of sleep is huge. And the, the, I keep on going back to phones and social media and stuff, but phones are the biggest problem for sleep. You know, the, the, the light that phones or iPads, what you know, computers, TVs emit the blue light, it stimulates us. You know, our body can't really tell the difference between light. You know, we think it's daylight. So there's lots of things you can do in terms of wearing uh, red, uh, blue light blockers or the glasses or you're switching your phone to night mode, everything like that. But the main thing is to decrease you, your usage. So particularly an hour or two before bedtime, turn your phone off, read an actual book, you know, have a downtime thing. So I like people to try and set an alarm to go to bed. So everyone sets an alarm to wake up in the morning. Wake up, huh? wake up, get, go, go, go. I like them to have an alarm as a wind down routine. So maybe it's nine o'clock at night, beep, 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 beep. Your alarm goes off and you're like, right, it's time to dim the lights. It's time to chill out. It's time to have a bath. It's like, you know, whatever it is that works for you to make sure that your sleep is restful and optimal as possible. Yeah, I really love that. And my partner actually needs TV to unwind and I've never really understood that. And it, for me, it makes no sense because I need some calming music. I want to read a book. Yeah. I want to chill. Yeah. I want to get into bed and just, I need to yeah. let that go down. Right. And so yeah. I, I've always been curious about people that need that stimulation before bed. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think that's the thing. I think it's the perception of it. I think a lot of times people, I, mean, I, I don't know about your partner, but they're not maybe looking at it as stimulation. They're looking at it as a way to like zone out, yeah. you know, that they might just be like, uh, you know, staring at the screen. Yeah, which, you know, and I, I love watching a movie or something like that, but I, I don't need to do it. And I know that watching something will, particularly if it's like something exciting. Yeah, or it stimulates you, right? Yeah, I'm so it, excited. It does, yeah. <laughs> and it's, I'm exactly. like, I so, do this. <laughs> no, nah, definitely. So, but the, the, and this is this is a problem. Like you, you raise a good point there that, again, if you're married or in a relationship and one person likes to do one thing and one person likes to do another, it can cause big problems. Exactly. It's like, bye. <laughs> but like, kidding. But if, you know, going to bed, you know, one person might be a little bit more irate or a little bit more excitable than, than the other and things like that. But TVs, definitely not in the bedroom. You know, oh. the, the bedroom is for, for rest and romance. You know, it's for, for fun times. And that's about it. Make, make your bedroom as dark as possible. Yeah. Um, I put up a post on social media the other day that if you don't have blackout blinds, then use an eye mask. Like, I'm in London and it gets light at four in the morning and it doesn't get dark until 10 o'clock at night. You know, it's, it's not much time. And vice versa, if you live somewhere like Scandinavia where it's even more extreme, you know, you need to have strategies to help improve your sleep. But the number one is decrease your time on your computer yeah. screens, etc. I love that. Can we just touch quickly on the, the darkness piece for people that don't understand about that? Why is it important to have your room super dark? So again, going, going back to evolution times, there was obviously no electricity. You know, we didn't have light bulbs and everything like that. I would actually say the invention of the light bulb was probably one of the worst things ever for, for your sleep button. So when we would go to sleep in a, in a cave or whatever we had, it would be pitch black. And what happens is when, when, when you get to a certain time in the evening, we, our body should start uh, through what's called the pineal gland, producing something called melatonin. Everybody's probably heard of melatonin as a supplement before. It's, it's basically a hormone. And that helps induce sleep. If, you, if, the, if the room isn't dark enough, or even if you have some light shining on you, your natural production of melatonin decreases. So physiologically, that, that's the main reason to have, to have a, a dark room is that if you don't produce melatonin, your sleep is never going to be optimal, basically. 
but also as well, you know, the, the, the lightness is realistically going to wake you up at some point as well, you know, whether, whether that's a change in the light or same with noise as well. If you have a lot of noise going outside, you're not going to sleep well. Well, compared if you live next to a beach and you've got the sound of the ocean, you know, or you, there's something called forest bathing where people basically go to nature and they camp or live in a, in a forest. But this, there's been a study done in Japan where people who have insomnia, they go to a middle of nowhere. I think it was done in Finland. They're basically in a forest for a week where they're just getting woken up by nature and they go to bed when it's dark because they don't have any, any uh, anything electrical with them. And their insomnia is completely gone wow. by the next week. So it's more, it's the natural sleep-wake cycle. And like in the opposite spectrum, that. That's why I like people first thing in the morning to get outside, go for a walk. So they actually get sunlight in their eyes, to, which naturally wakes them up. And then if they can go for a walk in the evening when the sun, you know, when it's turning to dusk, when the sun's setting, because you're, 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 you're what's called your carcadian rhythm or your, your sleep-wake cycle, your body is like, okay, this is morning, this is nighttime. But we're now so preoccupied with wearing sunglasses all the time. So we're actually blocking light during the day, which we shouldn't do. Sunglasses are fine at times, but we you know we, we ladder ourselves in sun cream so we block vitamin d production so it's just trying to optimize when is it sunny get outside if it's getting dark go inside but without too much artificial light yeah thank you that's really in depth and i think a lot of people can learn from what you've just shared there so cold therapy what are your thoughts on yeah. in the whole wim hof you know i've been having cold showers long before wim hof was famous yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you what are your thoughts on cold therapy so I, so I love it. And then this is one thing that I do every day. And um, again, it's, it's quite funny because I, I put up these posts on, on Instagram recently where I was just basically giving my, my tips for fat loss and tips for health going on at the moment in terms of things that everybody can do. So I think it's phenomenal. Like you said, Wim Hof, is, he, he's a, a Dutch, I think he's Dutch, yeah, he's a Dutch, um, slightly mad guy <laughs> who has pop, popularized ice, ice water immersion, so cold thermogenesis, which is basically sitting in ice baths or ice lakes. Now, you don't need to invest in an ice bath or anything as crazy like that, but getting up in the morning, and again, I like to do my walk first thing to get that sunlight, and then to have a cold shower. So I can I often do it as a contrast. So you might have 20 seconds really cold, 10 seconds warm. And so, you know, guys, you, you can enjoy your shower first and have a warm shower and wash and everything like that. You don't have to instantly go into freezing cold. But th- that contrast for 20 on, 20 cold, 10 off for about five minutes is a great way to, again, A, it wakes you up, it switches on your thyroid. Your thyroid is like your, your, your foot, so your accelerator for fat loss. So it's instantly going to raise your metabolic rate. What it does as well is it increases um, activation of your brown fat stores. So brown fat is a certain type of fat that helps decrease white fat. So white fat is, is not, a, not a fat that we want in our body. Brown fat, it tends to be based around our shoulders and collarbones. It's an active type of fat that helps burn the other type of fat. And that's, that's one of the main benefits of it. But again, if you were to just do some, some kind of cold water immersion every single day, that will raise your metabolic rate. So you, to simplify, you're going to burn calories. So I love it. And it's my non, one of my non-negotiables every day. Cold shower, get up, get it done. Again, I don't know anybody. They might not love it at the time, but they will feel way better once they've done it. Yeah, I love the feeling. I'm like, I love a steaming, burning hot shower at nighttime. It's probably not great in any form, but <laughs> I love, I just love the feeling of the hotness on my skin. But in the mornings, I always use cold therapy to some degree, whether it's splashing it onto my face and my body or yeah, yeah. at the end, yeah. that sort of thing for yeah. sure. So you say that's one of your non-negotiables. And, you know, I see that you very much like myself, prioritize health and wellness. 
and you personally live by things. So what are some of the things that you would say are your key non-negotiables on a daily basis for living out your healthiest journey in this lifetime? So again, those couple of things, getting up and going for a walk, I love doing that. And that's something I do every day. I get up and have a like a large glass of water with have some quality salts or electrolytes in it. Um, just because most people tend to be clinically dehydrated. I also I sweat quite a lot. Um, and I have either something like a, an apple cider vinegar or lemon or lime juice in it. That's just to prep my digestion. And it's just a habit that I've done for a long time. I feel really good on it. So those couple of things, first thing, but doing some kind of activity again throughout the day is my non-negotiable. It could just be something light, like another long walk, or it could be a weight training session, interval session, yoga, something that puts me in the right frame of mind on my non-negotiables every single day. And also trying to do some kind of basic breathing exercises. I try and do it every day. So the simple one that I, I try and implement at least once a day is to do what's called box breathing. So box breathing is very simple to do. You're constantly breathing through your nose, and that's something that everybody should do at rest anyway. We should ideally always breathe through our nose. You breathe in through a, for a count of four. You hold for a count of four. You breathe out for a count of four. You hold for a count of four. And you do that for two to three minutes. What that's basically going to do is going to calm your nervous system down. So it's going to raise your, what's called your parasympathetic nervous system, which is more your, your rest and digest, rather than your sympathetic, which is blah, 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 go, 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 your, your fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So there, I mean, there are only a few little things, but that's something that I try to do every single day. And no matter what, even if I am hungover, Beth, even if I am hungover, you know, or I've done some, you know, or I haven't had a good night's sleep, or, you know, I've traveled or, you know, they got jet lag. I try and do those things and I always feel way better for it. And it gets me back to feeling 100% way quicker than if I didn't. I love that. And it's funny. I feel like we've been trained by the right people and the same people <laughs> because no, I pretty much definitely. have, you know, the same same routine. And, you know, the I'm, I don't know if someone taught me the, the salt and water and the lemon or lime juice as an adrenal support. Is that how you would yeah. talk with that? Yeah. Yeah, so so your adrenal glands are salt dependent. So obviously, salt gets a bad rep, but it's, your, our body needs salt. You know, if we didn't have salt, we would die. Simple as that. The problem is, is that people have too much processed salt. They have too much sodium in their diet from sorry from processed food, should I say? So yes, your adrenal glands are salt dependent. So a, a real simple tip: if somebody has a slight adrenal issue, a indication is that they will start craving salty foods. So if you have a client that all of a sudden they don't, but they start craving salty foods, I'll add more quality salt in the diet. So you want something like a pink Himalayan salt or a Celtic sea salt, which is like brown in coloration, to add to the water, and it will aid the uh, build your, your adrenal glands. Your adrenal glands are like your batteries of your body. They are tiny little things that are above your kidneys, and they get depleted very quickly. I always describe them as like the, your, your, the battery on your iPhone. Okay, Nobody walks around with 5% on their iPhone. You know, they, they have a charger all the time or they, they live next to a yes. charger, you know, got a, got a charger. It's like my <laughs> like, <laughs> Exactly. But, you, but your adrenal glands are like that. And you, if you, you have what's called adrenal insufficiency. If they're low and they're, they're low in reserves, you will eventually have a big, big, big problem. Yes. Training depletes them. Lack of sleep depletes them. So the salt is just one simple tip that's going to, hey, hey, we're going to get your adrenal glands function that a little bit better. But it, what, the, what it does as well is it, um, it raises your blood pressure a little bit in the morning, which for most people is what we need. It raises morning cortisol levels. And that's what you want. Cortisol is a good, it's a great thing. We need it. We want it to be high in the morning. And this goes, ties in with all the sleep stuff. High, 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 high. Uh, and then like this throughout the day, rather than low, so we can't get out of bed. 
and then it goes high with our oh, business meetings ah, yeah. and then it drops and then we'll get in the evening and our partner's watching TV, stress, 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 stress. You know, so it's it's trying to balance that out as much as possible. Totally. And I had some adrenal stuff. It wasn't last year, it was the year before, and it was out of control. It is the worst thing to have adrenal problems. It's like because yeah. you're you're so high and alert at nighttime and you cannot switch off and your body just keeps waking you up. I had insomnia. Yeah. It was out of control, the experience I had when it came to adrenal stuff. Yeah, and, and it's always going to be far worse for females. You know, females have a much more complex hormonal system in the body. Females have children, you know, like having a child, you know, making a baby is the most stressful thing a female will ever go through. But then what usually happens is you have a baby and then, right, I want to get back into great shape. So they smash themselves in the gym. And then usually what with a lot of people, what happens within one or two years of having the first baby they have another baby, you know, and then they smash themselves in the gym, try and get back into shape. And no wonder they're drinking. Then, you know, then they're a mother and they're looking after everybody. No wonder their adrenal glands are absolutely done in. So, so for my female clients, looking after their adrenal health, <clears throat> excuse me, is always the, the first, well, not the first thing, but it's usually the, the, the thing that I'm going to look to. How are they doing? How is their thyroid? How is their adrenal glands? Because yeah. a lot of times females have done crash dieting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's tr- managing your adrenal health makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. So one last question before I wrap things up and let you get into your day. Supplementation, do you believe in it? And if so, what do you recommend? And I'm wondering if it's the same thing I would think because we've been trained the same. <laughs> what is the one thing you recommend most people take on a daily basis if you do recommend anything? Yeah. So I, I do believe in supplementation. And the reason why that is is we, we would got most of our nutrients from the quality of soil. So if we eat good quality proteins we eat good quality vegetables and fruits we would get the necessary vitamins and minerals that we need from the quality soil so we'll get things like magnesium from the soil and zinc and whatever like that the problem now is soil quality tends to be very poor therefore the, let's say the vegetable quality tends to be very very poor unless you're growing your own and or it's you know it's super organic all those things but you can't really guarantee it anymore so for most people because of everyday life, I do recommend they add in supplements. If I'm going to have a real small amount of supplements, I'm going to probably ask them to have a, a multivitamin as like a baseline um, is, that they just make sure that they get everything that they need in in a real simple level. I'm going to get into have vitamin D. Vitamin D is super, super important. It's, it's, a, it's a vitamin, but it's also a hormone. Pretty much, if you were to test most people in the world, even in sunny climates like Australia, their vitamin D levels are in the toilet. They're so down, and that will have a massive impact, particularly with things going on at the moment, for your immune system. So again, you know, obviously fighting COVID and everything like that, you want your vitamin D to be high. And then the two other things would be um, <clears throat> uh, magnesium, which I already mentioned, because it plays about 300 enzymatic roles in the body, and most people tend to be deficient in it, and potentially zinc and or omega-3s. Yeah, awesome. They're the baseline, right? I feel like I agree with that. And then I'd probably put in there like camu camu or like vitamin C powder or something like that with training for cortisol, yeah. Exactly. Well, so again, yeah, if somebody has adrenal issues, then vitamin C, 100%, I would give them, yeah. Yeah, awesome. But again, if, I'm, if, they're take, if they're taking a multi, then the vitamin C might be covered in that. Yeah. And I won't go into the whole synthetic story and talk around that stuff because that's another debate for another time. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. I mean, that's the thing, you know, you, you want to take it like a baby formula is a supplement, you know. No one has a problem with taking baby formula, you know, like generally they t- every, everybody's kid goes onto a formula. That is basically whey protein, you know, like but people don't have a sort of panic attack about that. It's, it's processed, it is, you know, anything that is not, doesn't grow or in the ground or whatever like that, that's a supplement. Yeah. That's the way people have got to look at it. I think people forget that a lot of the time. 
And so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd love to share or leave us with today? Um, I think one thing that I, when we're talking about fat loss before and about nutrition, the one thing that I, I really like everybody to try and focus on, I think it, get, it will generate long-standing results, is not to just always focus on a calorie deficit. So, so many people are or have been in a calorie deficit for such a long period of time. So, it is a tool, and some people definitely need to be in a calorie deficit, but we have to look at the bigger picture. So, something that I really like my clients to focus on is that their management of blood sugar. So what I mean about that is making sure that they're having carbohydrates at the right time of day for them, making sure they're having sufficient protein and sufficient fats in their diet, but making sure that you are not in this constant inflamed state, which a lot of people are from either low too low calories or excessive calories or the timing of the food being in the wrong time. So that, that's something that I really try and track with my clients, make sure that the blood sugar management is optimal and that they are um, the inflammation levels in the body are low. Yeah, and so would you say that nutrient timing is something that you think is really important then? Massively, massively, yeah. I really do. So nutrient timing, what's called nutrient partitioning. So they're two things that I really go to because it's you have so many cards you can play with or cards you can deal in terms of things you can change. Well, what can you do with a calorie deficit? There ain't much you can do. You, you know, if somebody's been in calorie deficit for years, which, you know, let's say it might only be 13% of the population that would be like this, but that's a lot of people. You, you can only go down further, you know? And for me, the mindset of saying, well, I just need to keep eating less. I need to keep eating less. I need to train more. I need to train more. You know, like the, the saying that just move more, eat less is not always what people need. But again, most this comes back to what my, my, Most people need to eat to boost their nutrients, right? Or boost their calories really just to get back up there. Definitely. And it comes back to like the first point that I said, and everybody's individual, you know, like if I was doing your nutrition back, we would go through and I'd look at you and I'd assess you and I'd do a consultation with you, do a test that is specific to you to try and gather as much information as possible and then form a plan rather than just going, hey, you need to be in a calorie deficit. Yeah, totally. And unfortunately, with the way social media is these days and everybody's a guru at whatever they're doing, people just have these plans to follow and unfortunately they're leading them down the path of a much, much worse problems in the future, let's say, you know, with their calorie deficit. I think so, yes. Long, long term, you have to manage and you have to know what works well for you, but you have to feel good. You know, you, you, people, if you feel energized and full of vitality and you sleep on all those things and you're training well, you'll get results. Yeah. Like you just will. You'll get lean and you'll put on muscle mass. Yeah, it's that consistency piece all the time, right? Yeah, definitely. So how can people work with you or find you and connect with you online? So again, I've kind of alluded to this. I'm fairly terrible online. But, uh, <laughs> you can find me find me on Instagram at Mark, Mark Roper Health. And you can uh, contact me at Mark at MarkRoperHealth.com. Um, I'm having a website that is finally launching it's only took about eight thousand years um it's going to be like an online an, an online education system on there and it's going to have everything it links to my retreats and everything like that, that that's on there and um, but yeah mark uh, mark group health is my insta yeah awesome name, so. and i will leave um when will the website be ready i'm hoping within a month Okay, I'll leave it in. I'll add it to the show notes by the time. Hopefully, you'll have it by then anyway. But thank you so much for being on today. I have absolutely loved chatting to you. And I know everybody that's listening will love what they've learned. There's so much gold in there. And I think me being so passionate about health and wellness and fitness, but not actually being in this space anymore, I really wanted to have you on to be able to add that value to our listeners today. So thank you so much for your time. 
No, thank you very much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining today, babe. Mark and I had such a great time chatting and covering all the topics that we did. So I do hope that you scribbled down some useful notes. And if you did love today's episode, I would be so grateful if you did leave me a review or you shared this with someone who you care about, who could definitely benefit from some of the things that we talked about today. And hey, come and visit me online at rebeccaneal.com.au or you can hang with me and DM me over at Instagram at I am Rebecca Neal. Remember though, as we end this episode, it's all up to you, babe. You've got this.